4: It's Rick Tittle!
5: Alrighty then. Thank you for that. It is a fresh week of sports talk. How are you doing? Or as we say, how are you doing? It's like Joey from Friends. Like, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? But we're here to talk sports. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Get you in and get you heard wherever you might happen to be listening. Coast to coast, border to border, and around the world. On the American Forces Radio Network. Yeah, that's right. AFN, I'm a FAN of the troops. You're doing a great job. Hope you stay safe and uh, come home real soon. Thank you for all you do uh, for our um, citizens here and our soldiers as well. And our allies. We're here for you. 1 800 87 Wait, wait, who's here for who? We're here for both. Let's just put it that way. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher uh, app as well. You can come in and get heard uh, that way, or you can also email me, rick at sportsbyline.com. You can go there, click listen live, any emails, rick at sportsbyline.com. Since we last talked, we have a World Series champion. We knew that they would. And so now free agency has officially begun. Over 130 players are free agents. Guys are opting out, teams are opting out. And uh, we'll have to uh, figure out one way or another. Uh, Where we uh, will go are the Astros a dynasty (laughs) do they deserve the dynasty label these are the things that people are like you know who really cares but some people do (laughs) and so we can take a look at some of those top free agents as well but NFL week uh, my team stinks Uh, the old 17 to nothing ruse we get out 17 to nothing and then we lose it's one thing to do that to Patrick Mahomes but the Raiders contrived a way to do it to Trevor Lawrence. And the Jags. Yeah, Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. uh, We are on CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network channel 2, and the cable provider. We're also on sportsbyline.com. We stream along, click listen live, any emails, send those to rick at sportsbyline.com as well. But the number to call, 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Come on back.
6: And you don't even have to leave your home.
5: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tiller with you coast to coast and around the world on the American forces radio network. Nice to have you with us wherever you might happen to be listening there. It's great to welcome back to the show. Stand up comedian Danny Jollis. Uh, he has just released a highly acclaimed new stand up special. You choose an interactive comedy special on don't tell comedies YouTube channel. And uh, Danny, uh, first of all. Oh, sorry. We got disconnected from Danny. <clears throat> that's all right <clears throat> we'll wait for danny to come back <laughs> i think he's one of those guys where maybe the name uh you'll definitely recognize his face danny do we have you now you have me all right let's do that intro again danny Jolla stand-up comedian joins us once again and we had him on during the pan Dam, unless we're still in it he has a highly acclaimed stand-up special, you choose an interactive comedy special on Don't Tell Comedy's YouTube channel. And Danny, I've noticed from guys I've talked to like Sam Marill and Shane Gillis and uh, you know Mark Norman, they just make these things themselves and they throw them on YouTube and that's the way to go now, isn't it?
9: Basically, I mean, it's like unless you are, I, I think that you need to be so big to do one of the big ones because It's really hard to get attention over there. Like Netflix puts out a special a week, if not more. Um, And YouTube, it's just like you can advertise it yourself, you can do it yourself. Nobody's, I mean, for this, so it's a, you know, basically a choose your own adventure comedy special. So you're able to choose my jokes throughout the special. Um, And that was very, I mean, just trying to pitch that to some of these places. uh, I mean, I laughed out of rooms. It was just like, what are you talking about? And so, but I can go to YouTube and I can make it myself and put it out there. So it's, it's also just the freedom of it, of like, I can make something exactly the way I want to make it. I don't have to worry about the logistics for them, about whether it makes sense, how they feel the market might feel about, I just got to make it. So yeah, I think YouTube is, is where a lot of comics are flying to right now.
5: Were you worried about the, you know, maybe having some trepidation about letting the audience Participate, in other words, maybe even heckle, and then how many people have accused you of putting a plant in when someone's going to say something, and it's like ah, you told them to say that.
9: So wait, so wait until you, you you hear so that the way this special works actually is you as in you at home choose my jokes. So for the live crowd, I just did jokes. They did oh, not I see. know Yeah. So actually, quite the contrary. <laughs> uh, nobody can excuse me of such a thing. Cause it is you yourself. You listening to this can go do my special and you will pick my jokes. You will get exactly the special. you
5: <clears throat> When did the voting occur?
9: The voting occurs live. So it's like, if you go there, I mean, I guess like actively we're seeing what people pick, but it's like, you go oh, there, you go to YouTube right now and you pick. So, um, you, every single person gets their own unique special within, mm-hmm. I mean, there's seven choices so you know there's not (laughs) there's only so many ways to do it but um it's uh yeah you really like you'll pick like when you watch my special it will be like do you love david blaine or do you hate david blaine and (laughs) you'll pick and you'll go to that joke you'll hear that version of it
5: it's not like you did three full hours and then people are gonna (laughs) right since you like brought it up, filmed it
9: was you... basically in front of a live crowd, just being like, Hey, this is, you know, I'm just doing jokes. You know, I just said, I hate David Blaine. And then the next show, I was like, I love him. And we just filmed the book. Um, And then if you make it to the end of the special, and I really encourage people, I know it's counterintuitive in 2022 to, to have a special that like leads to a big point, but this special does have that. There's a big ending to it. Um, and Part of that is me revealing to the live crowd what had that everything I'd said was basically a lie to them um, and it's
5: well,
9: it's a very fun moment
5: very cool and I have to ask now how do you feel about David blaine
9: <sighs> complicated yeah I have complicated feelings on the man I think he's a demon and I also think he uh you know he's incredible i mean what he can do with his body in particular you know he's doing I and mean, part of my critique is he's not doing magic. He's just literally drowning. But he is, it's impressive. <laughs> you know, he's not, that should kill him and it doesn't. So I guess that's something. But uh, What was that thing? It,
5: wasn't he in like Manhattan and he put himself in like a, like a giant block of ice and then had it raised up and he would like mm-hmm. stay in it and not eat for five days or something ridiculous like that, I want to say.
9: He was in ice. He got buried alive. He's been electrocuted. The whole thing where he was like just electrocuted for like days. The uh, man is a, is a wild human. I don't know if you saw during the pandemic, he went up in the air just like holding a balloon for free on YouTube.
5: <laughs> I got to look at that
9: now. It's just a real thing he did. Nobody even paid attention to it. I was like, this is insane.
5: <laughs> now, for you, you also have your acting chops as well. Is that How much schooling did you need for that? And how much did you just kind of take to it as a fish to water?
9: Um. So I, I went to NYU for theater and specifically like dramatic theater. Like I was in the Strasburg Institute. Uh, I studied, I was like doing intense acting. Um, then, you know, so, so I have a baseline of, I love acting. I take acting really seriously. I really enjoy it. I will say, you know, as my comedy career has gone, better and better I go in a lot for like the goofy goof of the goofs, um and so it's, I would say that a lot of my training has not come into play yet um I'd say most of my acting is just me showing up being like I'm gonna be pretty silly it's gonna be say the lines and be pretty silly but a couple of times there's one movie on Amazon Prime called blowing up right now that's a rom-com and I'm like dramatic in it and I'm very proud of it <laughs> it's like really sweet um, but a lot of it's just pretty silly. A lot of it, you know, a lot of acting is just, you show up, you say what they're with the guys. It's
10: not that hard. Very cool.
5: I remember speaking with um, Michael Ian Black, who's from the state, and Stella, all those are NYU uh-huh. guys, and he just talked about being in the village, just the, the characters on, on McDougal or, you know, Washington Square Park, whatever, but he said one time he decided, he saw somebody following someone, so he decided to follow the guy following the other guy. Did you uh-huh. ever see any <laughs> characters like that in your time at NYU?
9: You know what's crazy? So, yes, yeah, but what was even crazier is there was, like, I remember this one acting exercise where it was, like, find somebody at, like, a coffee shop and just, like, mimic them. Mm. And it was so, and, like, in, at the time it was like, yeah, this is acting. This just makes perfect sense. But, like, you know, the older I get, the more I'm like, what are we doing? This person was just living their life, and I was just monitoring their <laughs> movement. It was insane. Uh, that's what you do when you're a young actor. You're just doing dumb stuff. That's a lot of acting school is like dumb things. And then one tenth of it is like really helpful stuff. But nine out of and 10. And then like
5: do you have animals. a, uh, like a Holy grail show or a play or a role that you would like?
8: Ooh. Cool.
9: I mean, um, great question. Tough question. Good question. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, Cunningham in Book of Mormon is just, like, such a great role. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just, like, that That, that role, because I, I can do the musical theater thing, that's always been a role I've wanted. Um, and then, I mean, I just, anything, I, I'll tell you, Bob Odenkirk, I just think is so talented, and mm-hmm. something about working with him would be, like, so cool. I just, like, really love the way he's gone about his career and life. And so he's someone who, like, I would hunt. But Elsa Cunningham is, I guess, the answer to your question, because uh, in Book of Mormon, that's just, like, such a cool, great role.
5: No, no I, I totally hear it. By the way, I got to meet Odenkirk one time a few years ago at Sketchfest. Dana Gould took me backstage, and, and, and apparently Odenkirk's known to be irascible. And I go, hey, how's He's like, oh, it's my friend Rick. He goes, are you a stand-up? I go, no, radio host. And he went, yeah, okay. And I thought I got <laughs> off light. He didn't grill me. All right. Well, we're out of time. I could talk to uh, Danny Jollis a lot later, but make sure to check out uh, his new special, which is on uh, YouTube. And uh, it's called You Choose you an Interactive. You yep. Choose. You Choose Before on you. YouTube. That's right. Don't Tell Comedy's YouTube channel. Danny, thanks a lot, man. Next time you're in San Francisco, come on by the studio.
9: I, I, I'm i going to be there a couple weeks if if uh, you got time, but if not, uh, next time. But I'm, I'm going to be there a couple weeks.
5: All right, well, we'll see you then. Danny Jollis, everyone, J-O-L-L-E-S. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and come on back on Sports Byline.
1: That's 800-298-9093.
6: Life insurance is one of those things that just about everybody needs, but few people actually have. Hey, if you die unexpectedly without life insurance, guess what? You'll leave your family with even a bigger mess.
1: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654.
11: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic.
12: Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
0: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
5: All right, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show New York Times and USA Today bestselling author Shannon Messenger, and she's here to talk about her ninth book in the Keeper of the Lost Cities series, Stellar Loon. And uh, Shannon, I understand you went to college, you were thinking about being a a filmmaker. How did you get down this path of which, of course, you found great success now?
13: Well, it kind of was to do with the fact that I discovered I liked watching movies a lot better than making movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Movie making is very long hours on cold sets. And I was just like, wow, I just kind of wanted to write in my pajamas at home. <laughs> so that was kind of the realization of, I think I'm in the wrong industry, and I think I need to uh, switch mediums. And so I started writing books instead. And it took me a little while to realize that writing for kids was the, the sweet spot for me, um, really because that was when I had my greatest love of reading. Um, You know, as an adult, I still love to read, but, you know, I I read something, I'm like, that's great, and then it goes on the shelf, and I never read it again. But when I was a kid, if I loved something, I read it over and over and over again. I couldn't stop thinking about it, and I was like, that's the part of myself that I want to write to. That's the story I want to capture. I want to write something that I would read over and over and over again.
5: Very cool. Now, for that age group, very specific, how was it? Because on that, that age group, you can't be too babyish, or they think it's a, a Clifford book, but on the other hand, you can't be Tom Clancy or Fifty Shades of Grey. So how do you get that right in the sweet spot?
13: Honestly, I've never really had to think about it as far as, like, I am writing for 8- to 12-year-olds, so I am changing things or plotting things for 8- to 12-year-olds. I just think about the fact that I am writing about kids and I just try to stay authentic to the characters themselves. Um, my main character starts out the series at 12 years old, and then there's a variety of characters that sort of range everywhere from 11 to 18, and I just really try to stay authentic to them. And there's adult characters too, and I try to stay authentic to those, and so I've never actually had to like change anything plot-wise or anything like that to make it for kids. I just really try to stay true to capturing the audience that I'm writing for.
5: And do you sort of see it as you go through it cinematically, sort of like storyboarding it as well because of your background?
13: Somewhat. There's definitely certain things that I I, I am a very visual writer, and um, sometimes if I'm not able to visualize something, I spend a little time on Pinterest kind of falling down that wormhole of imagery until I find stuff that kind of starts to hit on the notes that I'm going for. But uh, I also will just kind of lose myself in a moment sometimes when I'm in a scene and they start to feel like they're just kind of writing themselves and I'm just trying to transcribe what the characters are saying as fast as I possibly can. And so you do kind of lose yourself in it sometimes, which always ends up with the best scenes, honestly, whenever you really are that deep in the story.
5: How many times growing up as a kid did people say, don't kill the messenger?
13: (laughs) Um, Quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) All
5: right, let's talk about Sophie Foster, your protagonist. Very likable, very strong. How much is she you or something to which you aspire?
13: She's more something to which I aspire than more me. I mean, I'm sure there's definitely me in her, but she's way braver then I am, you know, it's kind of a theme in the books that characters are, are sort of like, hey, Sophie, don't do the thing. Like, the thing is really scary. It's probably going to get you hurt and or kill you. Just don't do the thing. We'd rather you not take those risks. And she's like, but I must do the thing because I must help people and save the world. If it were me, I'd be like, okay, you're right. I, I don't want to end up in the hospital. Like, I'll, I'll be over at the corner reading a book. I'm not going to do the thing. So um, the thing she braver than me, because she's got kind of the weight of the world resting on her shoulders. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the big ways we differ.
5: <laughs> Very cool. So, you know, there are a lot of people, I think most people would say, it's great to get young minds reading and thinking and imagining things. But do you ever get any pushback from like maybe the fundamentalist right saying, this is the occult, this is evil? I'm
13: um- possible. I I don't know that I've heard a lot of that, because technically these books don't actually have magic in them, Um, which Mm -hmm. wasn't something I did specifically to avoid magic. I just felt like I wanted to see what would happen if I tried to come up with Um, explanations beyond magic um, for why the characters could do what they could do, and so I kind of call it my Shannon science, (laughs) and um, it's sort of like, you know, she can read minds because it's kind of like having an extra sense, and that's why she's able to read minds. Um, The way that they travel around the world, they're actually kind of traveling on a beam of light, and I realize there's still, you know, heavy fantasy and leaps of logic that are being taken, but It's not that they're doing spells or it's not just the way it is because of magic. It's actually a little bit more sci-fi, which is kind of why my quick pitch for the series has always been Lord of the Rings meets X-Men. It's sort of like a fantasy world and fantasy creatures, but more of the route of superheroes where their superpower kind of comes from their own genetics.
5: Right. No, it's well said. And also, when you write a character like Sophie and you do book after book after book, the fan base is going to get very attached to that character. So how much pushback do you get from people saying, Sophie would never do that?
13: Again, it's kind of one of those things where I don't hear a lot of it, but that one is probably because I realized a long time ago I kind of had to push back from like reading too much fan mail um, because I noticed that it was sort of like, one letter would be like, "If you do this, I'll hate you forever," and then the next letter would be like, "If you don't do this, I'll hate you forever." And I was like, "Wow, I don't know what to do. Either way, I'm going to get hated forever." um So I just kind of realized I had to kind of tune out that noise a little bit and and really just kind of trust the characters and trust the story and realize that when I started all of this, I was just kind of writing it for myself because it was this story that it wouldn't go away and I hoped that people would like it, and so I just kind of stick with that. I hope they like it. I'm sure everyone has very strong opinions on everything you know, that I'm doing in the books, but again, I, for everyone who loves something, there's someone who hates it, and you just kind of have to step back and go, all right, it is what it is.
5: <laughs> no doubt, and, I, and also when you make this many books – you have to kind of, in a way, I'm sure you're just writing a story you want to write, but you have to outdo the other, because every successful Hollywood movie is going to have a sequel, and nine times out of ten, the sequel's never as good as the original. So when you keep raising the bar, is it sort of like a double-edged sword? Like, great, the fans are here, but I can't let them down.
13: Oh, very much so. I naively, when I started this process, thought, oh, it'll get easier with each book, because, you know, the world is established, the characters exist. Like, by the end, I can basically just be an autopilot, and it didn't even occur to me that, no, no, you're basically competing with yourself, and you are you yeah. you know you want them to be that each new book, they're like, best book ever, which that means you have to outdo what you did in the previous book, and so it can definitely mess with your head, and again, you just kind of step back and try not to think about those things, and you just try to say, I am writing the best book that I possibly can in this moment in time. I mean, as an author, you want to grow, so hopefully you are. (laughs) Hopefully you're staying true to the story, and that's really my thing, is that I really try to treat the characters like they're real, and just kind of ask them, okay, given everything that I'm throwing at you plot-wise, like what are you going to do? And I try to write that, and I feel like that way it's sort of letting the story have a life of its own to some extent, and I just am kind of following it. I mean, obviously, I'm shaping things with the plot, but the way that all the characters handle it and all the reactions and all those nuances and scenes, that all just kind of unfolds, and so it's a little bit of um, a magical process, honestly, the way it kind of just happens, and I'll go back and read this scene later and be like, wow, I didn't know I had that in me. That's great. So um, it's a fun adventure, but... Definitely stressful. Every, every new launch, you're like, oh, man, let's hope the readers get what I was, what I was doing with this one. So <laughs> I guess I'll find
5: out, too. <laughs> yes. Well, she definitely knows what she's doing. Book nine of The Keeper of the Lost Cities. This one's called Stellar Loon from Aladdin, which is from Simon and & Schuster. And, of course, another Sophie Foster book. Looking forward to book 10. Looking forward to seeing this series on the big screen as well. And you can find out more at shannonmessenger.com as well. Shannon, congratulations on the book, and thanks for stopping by. Thank you
13: so much. This was really fun.
5: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and before we talk football, we got to wrap up baseball season because it ended this weekend. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll see you in a second.
0: with Prevnar 20. So am I, because I'm at risk for
14: pneumococcal pneumonia.
0: I'm asking about Prevnar 20 because there's a chance pneumococcal pneumonia could put me in the hospital. Age 65 or older, you may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I want to be
15: able to keep my plans. So I'm asking my doctor about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you.
0: You must be crazy. Use a D.O.G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
5: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. The Astros are World Series champions. And this is familiar territory for a few players. Justin Verlander, Jose Altuve, Yuli Gurriel, Alex Bregman, Lance McCullers, Jr. But for the manager, it's not because this is Dusty Baker's first ring in 25 seasons as a manager, at least a World Series ring. Got a couple of league rings. And this will be the pinnacle of his career. And uh, Johnny B. Baker, Jr. was born in Sacramento right after World War II. He was selected in the 26th round of the draft in 1967. And he has been involved in baseball every day since 73 years old. And as a player, he made the bigs as a 19 year old. And it was with the Braves. It was one year after he was drafted, obviously 1968. He was with Hank Aaron, Philippe Ballou, Joe Torrey, Phil Negro, and he was basically up and down for the next five years. <clears throat> and finally, in 1973, he hit 321, and then that was the start of a very good career. Two all-star teams, two silver sluggers. Um, highest he ever got in MVP voting was fourth. He did get one gold glove. By the way, uh, I remember John Miller of the Giants when Felipe Alou was a manager. Stalking him, Felipe Alou. I'm like, oh, I might give you the Felipe. I can't go Alou after all these years, because John Miller said, you know, that's the way you're supposed to say it. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. The Alou brothers can't say Alou. <clears throat> I can put on some aloe if I have sunburn, though. That's right. But Dusty, a guy who just short of 2,000 hits. He had over 1,000 RBI, 242 home runs. He was the guy in the three-hole for the Dodgers when they won the World Series in 81 over New York. And he does not have Hall of Fame credentials as a player, but he now has enough of a foundation on all the managers of the years that he's going to be a slam dunk for Cooperstown now. He already was. And he'll be uh, a unanimous vote Uh, Once he's retired for five years Um, and he'll be on the uh, era committee if you want as well. But remember after he retired, Baker wasn't even planning on getting into coaching or managing. He uh, supposedly was trying to be a stockbroker and then the giants named him first base coach in 88. When the new ownership came in, they made a manager and he had Bob Lillis help him. He had Uh, Bob Brandley as his bullpen coach. He had uh, Bobby Bonds as the hitting coach. And in that first year, I was a ball dude for three games, two against the Mets, one against the Expos. They didn't know what they were doing at the time. This was over at Candlestick. Um, Won the division twice, guided the Giants, to the World Series in '02 as a wild card, but that's our taste. And I was there for all seven games. Game six in Anaheim, five-run lead, left it late, lost Game seven, and Baker got almost all the blame. Pulling Russ Ortiz, what are you doing with, you know, uh, Felix Rod? What are you doing with Rob Nen? And <clears throat> why, why would you not want Rob Nen? But anyway, he was blamed. And it would be kind of a theme, and it got to them so bad that he, definitely, he finally had to go. So then he went to the Cubbies, and he was a hot commodity. They won the NL Central. They went to the NLCS the first time. By the way, they won a playoff series in the NLDS since 1908. Of course, they didn't have series back then except World. <laughs> and we all know the collapse from that 3-1 lead. Think about Steve Bartman. But you think about the remainder of his time in Chicago, a lot of the fans and media were all over him. Uh, They said that you ruined Mark Pryor, you ruined Kerry Wood. Were there ever two pitchers that came up with more hype than Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood? Remember Kerry Wood, that game where he was throwing Frisbees? I'd never seen a kid throw a pitch like that. And then they collapsed. But still, next year they got back. They won the division, got within one game of the World Series and And given that the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, I still don't know why the guy gets so much venom. Uh, If Pryor and Wood don't hate him, then why would a Cubs fan hate him? But anyway, then he goes to the Reds, and he oversaw them become contenders for the first time since the late 80s, early 90s, Uh, and they hadn't had a winning record in eight years. They hadn't made the playoffs in 13 years. And with Baker, they won 90 games three years in a row. They won the NL Central. And since they fired Dusty Baker, they went two games over in the COVID season. They were four games over last year, and we know what happened this year. So the entire time he was there, whether it was on social media or a local radio, everybody was always negative about Dusty. And... <clears throat> Look, that's what happens when you're a manager. But then you think about going to the Nationals. And he took over in 2016 and 2017. They won 95 games. They won 97 games. Both times they went out in the first round of the playoffs, and that got him fired. And, of course, uh, two years after he left, they won the World Series. And so everybody says, great regular season manager, stinks in the playoffs. You know, it's the old Marty Schottenheimer or whatever, Snottenberger. They're just some people who get that moniker. So in the wake of the sign-stealing scandal, the Astros fired Jeff Luno, the GM, A.J. Hinch, the manager. The front office was tasked with trying to clean this up, and it was a perfect hire. A guy so personable, you know, beloved in baseball, maybe not by fan bases— he took all the bullets at the press conferences. He was a perfect guy for the job, and <clears throat> he hasn't had trouble winning playoff series. As I said, Reds, Nationals, Cubs. He won back to back AL pennants, and uh, with the Astros, and now has the World Series title. In fact, his playoff record with Astros is twenty four, or sorry, twenty eight and fourteen. That's batting six sixty seven. So still, though the The old saying persisted last year when the Astros lost to the Braves in six games and the Astros' pitching staff was on fumes and Alex Bregman was playing injured, but still, Dusty, was it was his fault. And he didn't help himself, I think, in this World Series when he left in Justin Verlander for the third time through the Phillies' lineup. Verlander was showing signs of getting tired. They lost that game. Then um, they... Blew a five run lead. And everyone started talking about the Giants 20 years ago. In game three, he left in Lance McCullers way too long. And it was only four to nothing. And he let Kyle Schwarber see McCullers a third time. And if that score had stayed four-nothing, the Phillies would have had to go to their bullpen. Instead, they were all saved with that ding-dong. Now, it didn't come back to bite Baker as the Astros threw a combined no-hitter in Game 4, and Verlander was good at getting out of those jams in Game 5 again. He's not a perfect manager. No one is. But Baker is now one of nine managers to win a pennant from both leagues. No other manager has won a division with five different teams. His 2093 regular season wins is ninth in history, the most ever for a black manager. By the way, I worked his very first game he ever managed, and he won that game. I guess I've been doing this for a while, a bit. And um, of the top 11 managers who have uh, wins, in other words, he's ninth. The top 11, the other 10 are in the Hall of Fame. His 12 playoff appearances is fourth all-time. And only Bobby Cox, Tony La Russa, and Joe Torre have more than nine division titles, which is what Dusty Baker has. So more than anything, Baker's enduring legacy should be that he's one of the just base, best guys that baseball has had as a player and a manager. And I remember um, talking to him just, you know, he was always very, very down-to-earth guy. And in the late 80s, when he was, you know, he came over to the Giants, the first base coach, they used to have this thing called this caravan, C-A-R dash, a van. And they, in the off season, they would drive around and Dusty would hang out and have a cigar and a beer or whatever with some of the fans. He just was very down to earth. He remembered my name, which is something that I always like it when people remember me. Why not? Especially guys met as many as he had. But if you think about Anybody that's ever met Dusty, uh, you usually don't hear a lot of bad things about him. You might hear him from some fans. I know my cousin, who's a Giants fan, hates Dusty Baker because he blames the O2 World Series on him. And that's fine. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Right? Um, I remember his career ended. He was a member of the Oakland A's. And it was opening night. This is when the A's, Sandy Alderson got all the old Dodgers. He got Ron Say. He got Dave Lopes. Uh, He ended up getting... Eric Karos, you know, he just, he couldn't help himself with these old Dodgers, Sandy Alderson, but he got Dusty Baker and we were, we were the crappy team. This was the, I think this was an 85 right before Tony La Russa came in in 86, but he was up with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and he was the winning run. And I thought, man, if Dusty Baker could hit a home run on opening day, we really have something here. And he popped up to the pitcher. No one remembers that, but me, he probably doesn't even remember that. But Jeremy Pena, the young shortstop, said, Dusty Baker is a legend in this game. He's been great to me since the first day we met. He took me in spring training, gave me great advice. He brings the best out of his players. He gives you all the confidence in the world, and you can't expect more from a manager. There it is. Now, are they a dynasty? We might have to talk about that in the show as well. I can already hear people getting mad. Some people say the Giants aren't a dynasty. Get out of town. Of course they're a dynasty. Now, maybe I'll accept many dynasty, but yeah, you win three World Series in five years. You're a dynasty. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. and we'll come on back on sports bio Es wird nie was anderes geben. Diesem
15: Land habe ich treue geschworen. Bin geboren in der Falz. Ich lieb dich nun mal, jeden Berg.
18: do you own an annuity either fixed rate indexed or variable are you paying high fees and getting low returns if so annuity general would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800 760 1845.
1: 800 760 1845. 800 760 1845. That's 800 760 1845. How would you like to publish and sell your own audiobook? Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript.
10: Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
1: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
0: Cares about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
5: Oh, bless your heart. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. We got two more hours to go. We'll talk a little college football with David Teal, Super 16 pollster coming up. And we'll have a lot of open lines <clears throat> in the second hour as well. The Indianapolis Colts have fired head coach Frank Reich, which means France in German, by the way. Frank Reich. He's out. They're in second place in the AFC South. They're 3-5-1, but losing yesterday to the Patriots 26-3. Uh, Jim Ursay has seen enough. By the way, Rick's picks, I only got two wrong yesterday. Let's see if JD thinks about that when I bring him in. Uh, but Reich as a head coach, 40-33-1, four and a half years. Second in the division three times in the postseason. He won one game, lost two. But they tried everything they could to get this team going. They benched Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger. They fired the offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, less than a week ago. But still, the team stinks. And I would happen to think that there's something residual to last year. Remember, the Colts only had to win one of their last three games to go to the playoffs. And they lost to the Raiders. And then they went down to Jacksonville on the last day of the season. And Jacksonville stonk. And they had fired Urban Meyer and everything. And they still managed to lose. Some of the Raiders did yesterday. We'll get to that in the second hour. (laughs) Can't wait. But Reich is now the second NFL head coach to be fired. We know the Panthers fired Matt Rule last month. But here's the thing: three, five, and one. He's better than Josh McDaniels, <laughs> right? That's something that uh, <clears throat> you gotta think about. And then also the Panthers, after they lost to the. Speaking of Matt Rule, his staff, the Panthers have allowed over 25 points a game, and after losing to the. Bengals yesterday. They fired their cornerbacks coach Evan Cooper and their DL coach Paul Pasqualoni. You're out. So scapegoats are us around the NFL this morning. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick hard news break and come on back on Sports Byline.
12: The United States is rejecting an offer for President Biden to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin at the upcoming G20 summit. The report in the Financial Times says Indonesian officials offered to set up the meeting. G20 leaders are set to meet in Bali, but Indonesia's president says he suspects Putin won't be there. Flu cases are on the rise across the nation.
4: Flu cases are surging early, reaching their highest hospitalization level in more than a decade. The CDC says there are high levels of flu in the southeast, especially in Alabama, South Carolina and Tennessee. There's also significant spread in New Jersey, Connecticut and 11 other states. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis.
12: A looming Delta Airlines pilot strike won't impact holiday travel. CEO Ed Bastian telling NBC's Today Show there's no possibility of the carrier's pilots striking during Thanksgiving or Christmas.
18: But we're ready to go and we're expecting over five million people for the Thanksgiving week and we are absolutely prepared at Delta.
12: Delta pilots voted last month to authorize a strike in the face of ongoing negotiations. Pilots cannot go on strike unless the national mediation board declares an impasse in negotiations. A new study shows Paxlovid, an antiviral drug, reduces the risk of long COVID. Researchers at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs analyzed the records of more than 56,000 veterans who had contracted COVID. They found that those who had been treated with Paxlovid had a 26% lower risk of developing such long COVID conditions as heart disease, fatigue, liver and kidney disease, and muscle pain. The Houston Astros are celebrating their World Series victory with the parade in Houston on Monday. You're listening
19: to USA Radio News. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-568-2790. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems, and if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about $100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. Call Term Provider at 800-568-2790. That's 800-568-2790. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-568-2790.
12: As of 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, the United States Elections Project is reporting just over 40 million people cast their early ballot. This, as a Republican member of the Senate is saying, if you don't like the way the country is headed, make sure you have your voice heard on Tuesday.
10: 435 House seats, 35 Senate seats, and 36 governor's races will be decided as the midterm elections are tomorrow. Get out and vote like your country depends on it. South Carolina GOP Senator Tim Scott on Fox News is calling on all Americans that are sick and tired of being sick and tired with Washington.
15: I smell desperation in the air. It's crystal clear if we are to win the majority in the Senate, it takes every single voter in a battleground state who is sick and tired of being sick and tired, Republicans, Democrats and independents to show up and vote for the Republican candidate.
12: Lance Pry reporting from the USA Radio News West Coast News Bureau. The Powerball jackpot for tonight's drawing is at a level never seen before, $1.9 billion. This after nobody won the top prize in Saturday's drawing. There were numerous smaller prize winning tickets sold in multiple states. Week 9 of the NFL season wraps up Monday night with the New Orleans Saints hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Kickoff set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. Hi, this
1: is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years.
3: Contact
2: Cordell & Cordell to schedule... a of our firms online at CordellCordell.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed
10: by other lawyers. Online at CordellCordell.com. CordellCordell.com.
5: 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on in and get heard. 1-800-878-7529. We'll get into the NFL games. we got a little college football talk coming up on the other side. I mentioned the Bengals rolling over the Panthers. Two more coaches got fired. And uh, P.J. Walker, the latest Carolina quarterback to stink. But uh, Joe Mixon made NFL history the Bengals running back. Uh, Didn't do much in the first half, but he broke a franchise record with five touchdowns on the day, 153 yards on the ground, 22 carries, that's seven yards a carry, 58 receiving yards on four catches, and just the sixth player in the Super Bowl era to get 200 yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns in a single game. Uh, he finished one TD short of the all-time NFL record by a non-quarterback, but he also made waves in fantasy football history. He finished with 55.1 uh, points, just the first, uh, fourth active player to go over 55. Jamar Chase got 55, the last guy to do it. But he's got eight touchdowns already on the season. But I will remind everyone, as I like to do, that Joe Mixon, when he was in high school here over in Antioch, Here in the Bay Area, he beat up a girl. The girl's father came to the high school to get Joe Mixon, and he had to hide in the principal's office so the father didn't hurt him or worse. And then when he was in Oklahoma, he punched not one but two different women in the face. So I just like to remind people uh, of that, that, uh, you know, he's a fantastic talent, there's no doubt, but. Yeah, beating up girls in high school and college. Just, I don't like how that just gets pushed under the rug. Like it doesn't matter because it does matter. All right. On that happy note, we got some college football talk coming up on the other side with David Teal, Super 16 pollster. And your calls will talk about the other NFL games at 1 800 878 Play. And as always, a big shout out to our brave men and women listening. On the American Forces Radio Network as well. Come on back.
4: Hi, this is Staples.
18: So rumor has it that Staples has everything I need to ship.
4: That's not a rumor. We have all the shipping supplies and services you need.
18: Boxes? Yep. Mailers? Yep. And I can actually ship there, right?
4: We have UPS right here in store.
18: Huh. What will Staples think of next? <laughs> Right? No, seriously, I'm asking, what what will they think of next?
4: Staples has all your shipping supplies and UPS service in store. And right now, get 25% off UPS Express shipping services. Staples, the best kept secret in shipping. And 1231, valid only in Staples U.S. stores.
6: Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy.
1: That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
3: Are you looking to improve your baseball swing? You need the Rip Grip Pro. Co-created by Dodgers, AAA star Drew Avins, the Rip Grip Pro will help you stay palm up, palm down,
5: All right. Check me out. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's always great on a Monday to check in with one of the Super 16 pollsters. This is a collaboration between the National Football Foundation. Go to footballfoundation.org to find out how you can also get a vote and merch and also the Football Writers Association of America. And we are joined once again by David Teal from the Richmond Times Dispatch. David, welcome back to the show. And uh, basically, everybody's got Georgia number one for obvious reasons after beating the Vols. Um, the only question seems to be two and three. Almost all the other voters, I love the transparency, but almost all the other voters have the Buckeyes. You give it to the Wolverines. What what put them over their rivals for you?
21: It was a coin flip, to, to be honest with you. I, I thought Michigan was better this past week. I had Ohio State at ahead of Michigan the week previous, and then after seeing the Buckeyes struggle against Northwestern for most of the day, and granted, Michigan struggled for a half at Rutgers, but then turned it on in the second half.
5: You know, and I think about the demise, in quotes, of the Pac-12 with the two L.A. schools leaving, and yet here we are in the top ten with you know, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and then just outside of the top 10 are the Utes. Is there a bit of a renaissance going on in the old Pac-10?
21: Well, if, if there is, it'll be short-lived, right? <laughs> and uh, who knows how <clears throat> how it will look in the future and whether George Kleopkoff will, will add some schools. But, I mean, U- USC... Uh, is having a terrific season you know only the, the one point loss at utah oregon has rebounded nicely from that discouraging start in atlanta uh against georgia but um you yeah, know we'll we'll see how it all plays out might the pac 12 finally get back into the cfp
5: you look at Clemson and uh, just a, a disastrous loss on uh, every level, getting smoked by an unranked Notre Dame, and, and uh, Dabo said it himself, we got our behinds uh, kicked. And so on the polls, some people still have Clemson in the top ten, and I'd say about half drop. You, you drop them down to uh, 12. What do you think about the Tigers at this point?
21: Well, I've seen them in person this year when they survived double overtime at Wake Forest and the issue that day was not offense it was defense and that became an issue Saturday at Notre Dame whereas as Davo Sweeney said they just got whipped up front and Notre Dame ran the ball virtually at will and once again the, the offense struggled and DJ Uiungole throws throws a pick six and another interception that that leads to a short field and it just all collapsed on on Clemson. You know they they still have the, the wins over NC State and Syracuse and Wake, each of which was undefeated at the time that they lost <clears throat> to the Tigers. But they just they meaning Clemson they just haven't been sharp, really, you know, except for a few exceptions, all season.
5: USC played Cal, and Cal's not very good this year, usually isn't, Uh, but they got to a big lead, then they had to hold on for dear life, 45-38, is that the kind of thing, like from USC, you say, look, if you want to move up, you have to stomp a team like Cal, you just can't survive a team like Cal.
21: Style points matter, right? I mean, they they really do, especially at at this stage of of the season. We'll find out tomorrow night from the poll that that really matters when uh, the CFP rankings are released and and, and Boo Corrigan again faces the media. Uh, But, wow, Caleb Williams, what is it, 28 touchdown passes and one interception this year? that kind of ratio usually takes a team a long way.
5: Texas Christian has been kind of like the Vols were, very uh, quietly rising up. And now most people have them in the top four, if not the top five. What do you think about them horned frogs now?
21: Control their own destiny. Mm. No undefeated power five conference champion has ever been Excluded from the college football playoff and if TCU runs the table, they will not be denied either. They they will be in the national semifinals. I mean, they they may have some offensive issues, but Sonny Dykes can, can draw up some ball plays now.
5: Yeah, Sonny Dykes ain't going to drop any defense, but he will definitely he'll definitely drop some offense for you. Um, when I look at LSU and I'm someone who follows the Sun Devils program, I I never was very impressed by Jaden Daniels. And so when he transferred, I I kind of yawned, but I mean, what, what he's doing right now in Death Valley is something really to behold. So LSU is another team kind of sitting on the periphery, like ready to strike or are they?
21: Well, I, I think they are, and man, what a, gutsy call by Brian Kelly just to say, let's end it right here, one way or the other. We're going for two, and he put it in Daniel's hands, knew he had a special talent, put him out there on the edge and gave him the option, and he got to the pylon to, to, to beat Alabama. You know, we talked earlier that no undefeated P5 champ has ever been excluded from the playoffs. Well, no two-loss team has ever been included. But if LSU goes to Atlanta and beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, that might break that precedent.
5: You know, and then I think about speaking of transfers, how Auburn would probably like to have Bo Nix back oh, right back. now. We were talking. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Oregon also controls its own destiny. Because if you think if they run the table in the Pac-12, they could uh, get in as well. What do you? And it's funny thing. He's an old man. He's 22 years old. What do you think about Bo Nix?
21: Well, we have so many old quarterbacks now, right? Bo Nix and Hendon Hooker. These guys are older than some of the, the, the quarterbacks in the NFL these days. I mean, Hooker's <laughs> like 24, isn't he? And you know, I, I remember him, obviously, <clears throat> from his days at, at, at Virginia Tech. Um, but Bonix and, and, and Oregon are, are having a, a, a great year. <laughs> Poor Mario Cristobal, you think. He probably doesn't regret leaving, but maybe there's a part of him that thinks, man, that could be me.
5: <laughs> and then finally, the thing I like about the Super 16 poll is that every team is pretty good. It's not like the 20, 25 teams where you might have a three-loss team in there or something, but uh, the green wave... Tulane uh, two lane making it with and uh, so they make they make your poll and uh, it's not often we're talking about two lane football.
21: It is not. You know, Matt Brown took him to an undefeated season and I'm not going to re- remember the date, but it it was the undefeated season that propelled him to the North Carolina job the first time and now Willie Fritz has has the Green Wave sitting there Uh, With with just one L and one of the most impressive non-conference wins of the season, taking Tulane up to Kansas State and winning in in September. That's the reason I included Tulane uh, in, in my poll this week.
5: And uh, there he is, David Teal of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, one of the Super 16 pollsters, as I mentioned, a collaboration of the Football Writers Association of America and the National Football Foundation. Go to footballfoundation.org to find out how you can get merch and a vote in this poll uh, as well. David, always good stuff. Thank you for your time.
21: My pleasure. Thanks for having
5: me. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back with some open lines. 1-800-878-PLAY. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL. EU.
1: Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654.
7: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose three to five pounds a week easily without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? Call right now to learn more about your risk-free order to Body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk-free offer. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. That's 800-738-5332.
0: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Tittle is a majestic stallion.
5: Now there's some doubt in your voice. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Well, while the major league baseball season was wrapping up in Houston, crowning a world series champ down in the Valley of the sun, the AFL. No, not with the, the old Raiders, the, the Arizona fall league was going on all the top prospects, always great. To uh, see who's playing well down there. And it's always great to check in with Will McNeil because he is the biggest baseball guy on the planet. He's always down there in the AFL. They did have their all star game yesterday at Sloan Park. That's in Mesa. That's where the uh, Cubs play. I've been there a few times myself. First of all, uh, Will, the overall feel of this uh, AFL for you. Give us a little thumbnail, please. Uh, It's
17: been very, it's been awesome down here. It's uh, been, I mean, honestly, it's. Fall balls, like the Homeland Derby the day before the All-Star game was packed.
5: Yeah. Did we lose him? <laughs> we'll try and get Will back on the horn. I thought maybe he talked like uh, Jimmy Carter because sometimes when he was president, you got to be my age. He would, you would think he was still going because he'd say, the, and he couldn't say nuclear, he said nuclear. The nuclear proliferation between the Soviet Union and America is something. Yes. Will, do we have you back? I'm back, buddy. You got to get rid of that track phone from Walgreens, man.
17: Hey, I you, you got to have a burner phone. I mean, you got to have some fun when you're in Arizona, right?
5: <laughs> well, let's talk about the, uh, the All-Star game because I want to talk about some of the guys that the ace it's, it's funny because we've we've heard of some of these names and some of them we haven't let's talk about how impressive the young outfielder lawrence butler has
17: been he's had a phenomenal fall he's kind of cooled off a little bit as of late but he had a nice double yesterday in the game it could have only been a single but he rushed it like crazy to stretch into a double looked good uh he's got a couple stolen bases down here he's looked a lot better if his played a A plate approach than he did when he was at Stockton uh, last season, or uh, I'm sorry, 2021. Did we lose him again?
5: He has a future with the A's. All right, we lost you there for just a second. But By the way, the vibe at Banner Island Ballpark, going high A to low A, still just as fun? You don't notice, or can you kind of
17: feel it? Oh, you could definitely notice the difference between high A and low A. Uh, a lot more errors are being made, made in low A compared to high A, to say the state mm-hmm. All right,
5: one of the all-star pitchers was J.T. Ginn, who we saw one of the uh, pitchers coming over in one of the trades. Didn't impress, but still has a huge arm and an upside, we hope. How did he look?
17: Uh, he didn't. Unfortunately, he wasn't at the all-star game. But I saw him earlier in the week because he pitched on Friday. Uh, when the showing four commands there um, has a little bit of a... The walks. I mean, the command's there a bit. He did walk the guys later in his outing. But he's in velocity, about 94, 95 on his fastball. Off-speed stuff needs a little bit of work. But he, he still has a lot of potential for the Oakland Athletics.
5: Another name that I think is a little bit under the radar is Mason Miller on the bump. What's your uh, assessment of that
17: young man? Uh, that guy, I think, actually, if the A's wanted to, could put him in the bullpen next year immediately if they didn't want to turn him into a starter. That guy was touching in the third inning of his appearance the other night, 101-102 on the radar gun. Wow. Electric fastball, some stuff we have not had in a while. The off-speed stuff, okay. I mean, a 90-mile per changeup when you see 101-mile per hour fastball, it's got to be crazy for a hitter to try to catch up to. But that guy's got some electric stuff. He could definitely be part of the A's next season, I think.
5: By the way, did you happen to see Kumar Rocker because that guy is so hyped coming out of the draft and uh, didn't end up signing with the Mets? Now with the Rangers, Bochy's in town, uh, they got a couple of young of those Vanderbilt pitchers. Uh, Did you see Rocker at all?
17: I've not seen him yet. I still have a possibility to hopefully see him tomorrow evening in Scottsdale. Hope I get the opportunity to because, again, like you said, he's been very talented, but and a lot of scouts are not high on him. So he's one of those interesting, intriguing prospects. It was amazing he did not sign with the, the, uh, the club he was drafted by. But, I mean, that guy's got stuff. Uh, he should be something pretty solid. I mean, any, a lot of players out of Vanderbilt lately just are crazy. It's crazy how that school is producing just incredible talent along the way.
5: Yeah, it's funny. When Vanderbilt finally got rid of their athletic department, more or less, they went to a bowl game. They started becoming a great baseball team. I think what you need to do, just fire your AD and the whole department, right, Will?
17: Hey, if it, gets you to, if it gets you to what they're doing now, that's <laughs> the fricking Lutely, man.
5: Will McNeil is with us at the Arizona Fall League. Zach Galoff is a name that we have heard about. He was a high pick. And uh, uh, any assessment that you've had on putting your eyeballs on him just yet?
17: Uh, I've seen him in Stockton when he was first drafted. Kid was a stud. Went to Las Vegas like, from a low A to triple A in 2021. He was just crushing the ball there. Then last year with. Uh, Midland, he had a little bit of an injury problem. That's why he's down here in the fall league to make up for his A-Bs. His defense is phenomenal. He's smoothed up the middle. We uh, could probably have a very strong Nick Allen-Zach-Geloff combo up the middle here very, very soon, which would be great to see. Uh, he's cooled off quite a bit as of late here in the fall league, but still, the potential's there. I mean, it's getting late in the year for these guys. So I guarantee you that a lot of them are probably very tired of playing baseball right now and want to enjoy a bit of an off season. but his power's there. He's going to be a stud for the Oakland A's, probably, i say, maybe late 23, for sure, 24.
5: Well, we do know that once they do, you did get uh, a look at them at Stockton before heading to the Lansing, uh, Lansing Lugnuts, now high A before going to uh, Midland. Did you get a chance at all to see uh, Max Muncy, the uh, first-round pick last year?
17: Absolutely. He was very young for the California League, even if it be in low A. So, I mean, he had some growing pains throughout the league. I was really surprised when he actually got the midseason call-up to Lansing because he didn't really mash the ball, per se, in Stockton. But he, the power numbers were there, but the strikeout total was quite high. But, again, at 19 years old, you kind of almost expect that out of a young ball player. So hopefully he can harness the plate approach a little bit, be more of an Oakland a in that regard, even though I'd rather have seen him swing first pitch once in a while. But he did that quite a bit in Stockton. And put and up pretty solid numbers, about 15 home runs in the 209. And again, strong defense, Uh, and it's still crazy to think he has the same birthday as the other Max Muncie version, one that we used to have.
5: Makes no sense at all, yeah. And Tyler Soderstrom, I mean, I think he's going to be first baseman. I think they're going to have him be the new Ole and maybe have Langoliers behind the dish. We'll see about that, but uh, you can't be anything but impressed with Soderstrom, right?
17: Oh, Soderstrom! I hope they move behind, get him away from behind the plate as soon as possible. Because every game I seem to see him when I went to, on a road trip somewhere, like say Fresno, or even when I saw him play against Sacramento last year in Triple A. The guy always hit getting hurt, like a ball off the mask, he'd be woozy. So yeah, he uh. he has such a strong potential, strong, such a strong player. Get him away from behind the plate, put him at first base. He looked good the few times I've seen him there. His power is incredible. He could probably be a 30 home run hitter in the show maybe a 240, 250 hitter. I mean, we'd like a little more than that, but good plate to, play to approach. That kid's got all the potential in the world. I mean, we have strong players coming up the chain in Oakland, and you never know. We could hopefully do what the Astros have been doing here uh, as of late.
5: And then, contrastly, can you give us a little uh, update on Logan Davidson?
17: Logan Davidson, I've, one of those guys, I keep wondering why he's just kind of stuck. Like, some guy's been passing him up, everything else. He has the bat. I just, I'm not sure, like, he's about a 240, 250 guy again. His defense is there. Like, defense is big league ready. So I think they're just waiting on his bat to mature, his bat to materialize, and finally show what he could really do there. But, he, again, another strong player, I don't know. He, he may be kind of a bench guy in the big leagues or utility guy in the big leagues. But, he, I mean, he, if he could figure out the bat a little bit more, I think he can make it.
5: Whatever happened to Lazarito?
17: Oh, Armenteros! I know a Towards the end of last season, I mean, injury trouble. He just kind of stalled out. I know he got suspended for the last ten games of the year last year. because He uh, charged the mound and started the fight. Uh, it's just I think one of those where the A's, the A's went big on a high toolsy prospect, and unfortunately did not materialize like they had hoped. It was a uh, nice try, but it seems like we always seem to fail on the uh, those kind of investments. While Seattle and other teams get Julio Rodriguez, we get Losardo Monteros, Unfortunately. <laughs>
5: And then finally, is there, do you know where Austin Beck is right now?
17: Uh, he finished the season in Double A Midland. Uh, another first round pick it did not materialize the way I think we had hoped. I think he might even be a minor league free agent here uh, this upcoming off season. If the A's do re-sign him, I'd be surprised. In all seriousness, that, that strikeout total is incredibly high. Does not walk very well. It's just again, the guy would show flashes, get injured, then he's out a while again, and then just unfortunately would just stall out. So. Uh, another kind of just a busted first-round pick, unfortunately.
5: We only got about 30 seconds. I went to the Coliseum the last day of the season, and who knew it would be the greatest game of Stephen Vogt's life. It was absolutely incredible. Did you show up for that?
17: I was definitely there, and that was a very emotional moment to say the least. to see how he hit, where he hit his first career big league hit and how he finished yep. his career. Same spot, basically, hitting a bomb right down the barbecue terrace area of now the Budweiser zone or whatever you want to call it. But it was an awesome thing. He has to say, I believe in Stephen Vogt one last time. I have a feeling he'll be up. I think he'll be an ace coach here before you know it.
5: And By the way, where's Grant Balfour these days?
17: Uh, Grant Balfour is uh, enjoying retirement, chilling in Miami or Tampa Bay, Miami area. I think he owns a restaurant down there now, and does a podcast with Ryan Roland Smith.
5: I'm telling you, nobody knows more about baseball than Will McNeil. That's why we have him on. Will, always great stuff, buddy. I'll see you soon.
17: You better believe it, buddy. Thank you very much.
5: <laughs> All right. I'm Rick Settle. we got open lines on the other side. 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back on Sports Byline.
16: Do you have an invention idea but don't know what to do next? Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308.
1: That's 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308. That's 800-788-1495. You're
19: so ugly you can be a modern art masterpiece.
0: Three percent sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
5: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, Coast to Coast, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Just looking at the list of the Arizona Fall League All-Stars, I think my favorite two names are Tink Hence. T-I-N-K-H-E-N-C-E. Tink Hence And then Queen Tink priester. It's like two guys in the seminary ever since the novitiate. I told you I would be priester than you. I'll be priester than you. All right, it's time to talk about the game. You know what I'm talking about. And let's go to Hell's Kitchen in Manhattan with Charlie. How you doing, Charlie?
20: Well, Rick, I've been better, but uh, (laughs) we could open up your NFL discussion with our Raiders. Um, I assume you watch most, if not at least part of the game yesterday.
5: Yeah, it was. Well, I missed the first five minutes because I was watching very frustrating Tottenham lost to Liverpool, but uh, I did see everything from after about that. And then the second half, I kind of was walking around watching it on my phone because I was so sick to my stomach, but the, the Raiders are now officially the worst second half team, maybe in NFL history.
20: Well, uh, the stat I saw was since 2000, the Raiders are 53-5 when they've had a 17-point lead, and three of those five losses have happened in the first eight games of this year. To blow yep. three 17-point leads in one season is... It, it, I, I, I just i can't... I mean, the Chiefs game I can understand, because the Chiefs are the Chiefs, but listen there is clearly a disconnect on this team Uh, the players seem not to like playing for mcdaniels it was a mistake to hire him whether davis sticks to his guns and is going to keep him around sometimes that's owner speak and maybe things will change um I don't understand. I mean, even the players in the post game came out and criticized him. Well, they didn't him personally, but like Devontae Adams says, says, why fix what was not broke? Meaning, why did they try to run when they were carving them up in the first half? How does Devontae Adams have 10 catches or nine catches in the first half and one in the second half? I, I, yeah. I don't understand that. Um, the play calling is abysmal. Their defense is worse. Why Patrick Graham is still a coach? If they have to make a sacrificial lamb, it has to be him, because their defense is just worse. It's, it's I mean, I, I thought I saw everything when I saw Chandler Jones and Max Crosby falling back into coverage in the second half. I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I can understand Chandler Jones because he can't get the key. only has half a sack in eight games. But why is Crosby out in, in his coverage? Um it's a complete s show. Uh, I don't know where they go from here. We discussed it last week. I'm uh, um, Carr. You know he he underthrew. He, he had that pass right before the first half where he underthrew Abdullah. If he just threw it on a line, he underthrew him and they had to settle for a field goal. Would that have made a difference? Probably not. He overthrew some other. Play- I mean, the second half, Devontae dropped some pass. It, it, this this team is it's just completely gone off the rails and. It, it, I mean, they've had a lot of bad years, and I've been like, but this year, we, I thought at least they were going to make a wild card, and with every, so I don't, I don't know what you do from here. Do you, do you release Carr, keep everyone else, and try maybe bring in, uh, you know, use your pick to draft a quarterback, and then sign a sort of like a Garoppolo to for a holdover. I, I, I did, this is with the assumption they're keeping McDaniels, but I. I I don't, what do you do? I, they've given contracts to these players who are in their prime so they can't gut the team and start over like Bruton did a few years ago. I don't, I, I'm, I don't, I'm just, I don't know what to say other than, you know, just, just beyond disappointing. But, I mean, where, where do they go from here? I mean, you know, what do they do? I mean, it, I, what do they do for the next nine
5: games? Yeah. And beyond. Well, I mean, this is, the, this is the thing that stinks now that you're, you're basically out of it unless they do something historic. But you mentioned Devontae Adams. At halftime, he had 146 yards. Once again, halftime, he had that many half-time. yards. And in the second half, zero. And I'll give the Jaguars defensive line credit because every time they gave the ball to Jacobs, he couldn't even get past the line of scrimmage. His first five carries, he had one total rushing yard. And so, yeah, you want to take your, your foot off the gas and not throw bombs. But if you can't run the ball, why do you start trying to, to run the I ball? Mean, take, but the thing is, is that...
15: The, I'm sorry.
5: Yeah, well, the, the thing about football, too, is that there's a disease that can go viral in the team once you know that it's all over and you, you've sort of lost. And that we, I saw that for years in person in Oakland. And when you know... Like if it's Andy Reid, you kind of think, oh, maybe he'll figure it out or Belichick. But when you get a guy like McDaniels, who's a clown, you have no faith in him. And, you know, look, the car thing, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. I know he passed Phil Simms. What is he? 39th all time. And they're running these trick plays all over the field. I'm so sick of these trick plays. And then, you know, to end the game, was it Foster Moreau throws an interception You know, it's just so, it's just, if you're going to lose, fine, but, I mean, not fine. If you're going to lose, lose, but don't be so humiliating.
20: Well, the the pace and point I was just going to make when I cut you off was like last night in the Chiefs-Titans game, which I watched a lot of, I don't know why, because I'm usually burnt out from football. They couldn't run the ball a lick against the Titans. They just couldn't. So what did they do? Mahomes threw for almost seventy. Attempts. He had sixty-eight passes last night. So like, why? Like, that's what I understand. Like, what is going through the coaching mind? Or uh, McDaniel said, well, we carved them up in the first half. They, they scored before the second. You know, before the end of the first half. They're, they're, they're coming. Why do they like run? I mean, I remember there was one drive who was second and twelve, and they handed it off to Jacobs. I'm like." And then third and twelve, and they, it's like, well, like, well, what is like, when you and I, and you know more football than I, but like, when you and I know what to do, why does it, the guy who's <laughs> making millions of dollars, why doesn't he do that?
5: Right. Well, it, listen, there are some guys that when they're not in charge, like you know, you can go down the list, Norv Turner, from all the way down, you make him a coordinator the buck doesn't stop with them and all you got to do is run that offense and you sit up in the booth and you call plays and that's not an easy job but some guys are good at it but when you take that next step now you're the head coach now everything revolves around you you get a million more questions and responsibility every day now you're in charge of the clock now you're in charge of the red flag now you're in charge of all the substitutions now you're on the PL talking to all the other coaches some guys can't take that next step, and that was proven in Denver with Josh McDaniels, and the bonehead decision to fly in to London on a Friday. The boneheaded decision to say yes to Indianapolis and then say no. When they named him head coach, I had a fit on this show, and everybody else was like, no, no, he's really good. He learned his lessons. Oh, How do you know he learned his lessons? We've learned that he hasn't. He's still just as dumb.
20: Yeah, t- uh, some people, like you said, North Turner, him, you know, uh, you want to name a couple other guys. are Just meant to play, be play callers or coordinators, mm-hmm. and aren't meant to be head coaches. He's not a head coach, so we'll leave it at that. I'll let you uh, get on with the rest of the league, <laughs> and uh, right. I'll, I'll talk to you later, buddy. All
5: right, Charlie. As always, thank you for the call, it's Charlie in New York City. One eight hundred eight seven eight play. There are a lot of guys who have been like that. You know, I think Dennis Allen is another example of that. You know, a good D.C. I think you could say a Jack Del Rio would be an example uh, of that. It's a completely different thing when you go from prince to king or from colonel to general, however else you want to, like, put it into a uh, metaphor. But looking back at some of the other games, I mean, you think about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and what they've meant to the league, but... I mean, Aaron Rodgers had one of the worst games of his life, like historically bad. And this is a guy, of course, who was back-to-back MVP. But, and by the way, this is, as I said, I only got two games wrong. I'll have to bring that up with J.D. Sharp when I have him on. But 15-9 to loss at Ford Field. They're 3-6 and six on the season, and he threw three picks on the day, and two of them weren't in the end zone. And, uh, you know that ain't good to say the least, but you look at, um, you know what Tom Brady, uh, did as well. It's just, it's just not good times for these guys right now. And maybe they're getting a little long in the tooth, whatever. Cause you know, the old father time is undefeated, uh, adage and, uh, and all that. But, they still were able to beat the Rams or the Bucks 16 to 3. And if you were giving them a, a grade, it would be a D plus because they didn't lose. And that's because their defense showed up and almost did every almost everybody else did nothing. TB twelve did nothing. But still, if you look at rookie mode Madden play from play calls from Byron Lefwich or Vita Vea crunching Matthew Stafford every couple of drives. We might be talking about whether Tom Bowles is even confident he'll even make it through his first year in Tampa. But, yeah, look at the Rams, man. I mean, you can pin it up wherever you want. less need, his quote, F them picks. And that was fine when you win the Super Bowl. And it is worth it. I always say I'll win a Super Bowl and have nine years of doldrums. Just give me that one ring. Right? But, I mean, (laughs) Sean McVay calling another sheepish game. Raheem Morris' defense didn't deserve what happened to him. But if Mike Evans and Scotty Miller's hands were functional for half of Sunday's game, Brady might have made easier work with them. All in all, this is a make-or-break type of matchup for these teams in the NFC on life support right now. As it went down. And then, as we were talking, uh, Charlie was talking about the KC Tennessee game. And a lot of people were sleeping on the Titans, but still coming in with a good record. And that's a team that could have gone to the Super Bowl instead of Cincinnati. Had Ryan Tannehill not thrown those bonehead interceptions in the playoffs. But maybe people might be waking up on them if you were sleeping on them. Because even with Ryan Tannehill out, the Chiefs were able to take or the Titans could take the Chiefs to the wire because of their defense. They had Mahomes on the run the entire night. Four sacks, interception and then they kind of ran out of gas. Derrick Henry, who Reggie McKenzie passed on for Jahad Ward, two touchdowns, 114 yards. The Chiefs were able to avoid that upset in overtime, but, I mean, Mahomes turned the magic on in the fourth quarter, and it's a good thing he did because he provided just about every nearly yard of offense. And if you look at the 499 yards of total offense, only... 14 of them did not involve him throwing or running himself. He threw 68 passes. That's a career high 68 passes That's more than Navy will throw in 10 years <laughs> But still he didn't have his uh, best night, but uh, any victory in the NFL is gonna be a thing of beauty All right, will take a quick break and we will come on back on SportsBot
0: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
5: Thank you. And closing out our two of three, the Champions League final 16 draw was this morning in Neon Suisse, or as they say, Schweiz, or as we would say, Switzerland and Tottenham in the first pot. I was a little bit afraid of getting Liverpool who we lost to on Sunday or uh, Paris Saint-Germain. But this is how it worked out. The, uh, <clears throat> The North London team, Tottenham, will be facing AC Milan. Estadio Giuseppe Meazza, San Siro. And uh, we have played, I say we as a Tottenham fan, uh, AC Milan in the past. You might remember the Gennaro Gattuso-George Oden showdown back in the day. But the draw is AC Milan versus Tottenham, Eintracht, Frankfurt versus Napoli, Borussia Dortmund versus Chelsea, Inter Milan versus Sporting, Ah, uh, PSG versus Bayern Munich, uh, Red Bull Leipzig versus Man City. Club Bruges will take on Benfica, and then Liverpool will face Real Madrid. And so, if you're looking for the biggest matchups, it's definitely Liverpool, Real Madrid, and then Paris Saint Germain and FC Bayern. Those are the two uh, drawing powers there. For uh, but this is the this is the last 16, baby. uh, As I call them, home and away, or in America they say home and home, which I don't understand. But yes, the Champions League, we'll talk about that uh, as we go. These games will be played next year. I'm Rick Tittle, not next season, next year. Come on back on Byline.
12: USA Radio News with Tim Berg. The United States is rejecting an offer for President Biden to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin at the upcoming G20 summit. The report in the Financial Times says Indonesian officials offered to set up the meeting. G20 leaders are set to meet in Bali, but Indonesia's president says he suspects Putin won't be there. Flu cases are on the rise across the nation.
4: Flu cases are surging early, reaching their highest hospitalization level in more than a decade. The CDC says there are high levels of flu in the southeast, especially in Alabama, South Carolina and Tennessee. There's also significant spread in New Jersey, Connecticut and 11 other states. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis.
12: A looming Delta Airlines pilot strike won't impact holiday travel. CEO Ed Bastian telling NBC's Today Show there's no possibility of the carrier's pilots striking during Thanksgiving or Christmas.
18: But we're ready to go and we're expecting over five million people for the Thanksgiving week and we are absolutely prepared at Delta.
12: Delta pilots voted last month to authorize a strike in the face of ongoing negotiations. Pilots cannot go on strike unless the national mediation board declares an impasse in negotiations. A new study shows Paxlovid, an antiviral drug, reduces the risk of long COVID. Researchers at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs analyzed the records of more than 56,000 veterans who had contracted COVID. They found that those who had been treated with Paxlovid had a 26% lower risk of developing such long COVID conditions as heart disease, fatigue, liver and kidney disease, and muscle pain. The Houston Astros are celebrating their World Series victory with the parade in Houston on Monday. You're listening
19: to USA Radio News. Do you have three ex-wives and your current trophy wife wants a life insurance policy three times the size of the policies you had to purchase for your previous mistakes? If so, you need to call Big Lou at Term Provider, 800-568-2790. Big Lou is intimately familiar with your problems, and if you're 50 or 60 years old and in reasonably good health, a $1 million policy should only cost about $100 to $200 per month. Big Lou may have a solution for your previous policies as well. You may even save enough money to lighten the load on your new $1 million policy. Remember, call Big Lou. He's like you, except he's only on number two. Call Term Provider at 800-568-2790. That's 800-568-2790. For a million dollars in term life insurance that you can live with, call Big Lou at 800-568-2790.
12: As of 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, the United States Elections Project is reporting just over 40 million people cast their early ballot. This, as a Republican member of the Senate is saying, if you don't like the way the country is headed, make sure you have your voice heard on Tuesday.
10: 435 House seats, 35 Senate seats, and 36 governor's races will be decided as the midterm elections are tomorrow. Get out and vote like your country depends on it. South Carolina GOP Senator Tim Scott on Fox News is calling on all Americans that are sick and tired of being sick and tired with Washington.
15: I smell desperation in the air. It's crystal clear if we are to win the majority in the Senate, it takes every single voter in a battleground state who is sick and tired of being sick and tired, Republicans, Democrats and independents to show up and vote for the Republican candidate.
12: Lance Pry reporting from the USA Radio News West Coast News Bureau. The Powerball jackpot for tonight's drawing is at a level never seen before, $1.9 billion. This after nobody won the top prize in Saturday's drawing. There were numerous smaller prize winning tickets sold in multiple states. Week 9 of the NFL season wraps up Monday night with the New Orleans Saints hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Kickoff set for 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. Hi, this
1: is Joe Cordell with the law firm Cordell & Cordell. When the prospect becomes a reality, you need a partner that you can count on. If you're a man in this situation, consider contacting Cordell & Cordell. We've helped men navigate complex legal matters for 30 years.
3: Contact
2: Cordell & Cordell to schedule... a of our firms online at CordellCordell.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed
15: by other lawyers
14: online at CordellCordell.com. Cordell
15: Remember in the beginning when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you. Call the Debt Helpline
1: now. 800-943-2153. 800-943-2153. 800-943-2153. That's 800-943-2153.
13: Rick
9: Tittle knows his sports.
13: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it ricky t in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch
5: thank you for that and welcome back to the show rick to with you coast to coast and uh, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network great to have you with us wherever you're listening in this great land of ours or let's face it so so foreign lands come on in and get heard whatever you might want to talk about football basketball baseball hockey soccer golf tennis auto racing boxing olympics cultural about chess checkers rugby cricket that type of stuff Tennessee Titans wide receivers have struggled without the presence of uh, A.J. Brown. Of course, he was traded to the Eagles in the offseason because he wouldn't sign a long-term deal even though he's one of the best receivers on the planet. And uh, he has been everything as advertised from coming to Philadelphia, and Tennessee has not replaced him. And Brown has taken harmless jabs at Tennessee here and there, but nothing that has been uh, too horrible. But when the Eagles playing Thursday night on a mini bye week, Brown was catching uh, his former team on Sunday night football against the chiefs. And uh, he had a little tweet, which lit the match on what he didn't want because he wrote, I repeat, nobody's open. And then the four crying, laughing faces. And then he quickly deleted it. So he is pointing out just how bad Tennessee wide receivers have been this year. 43 catches for 718 yards and six touchdowns for himself. Meanwhile, Tennessee wide receivers, 51 catches for 618 yards and one touchdown through eight games. So he has more than 104 yards receiving and five touchdowns more than their entire four. And Tennessee did not have one single wide receiver catch against the Chiefs. That's just the fourth time that's happened in the NFL in the last 22 Years, so Tennessee wide receivers just two catches in their last two games, and uh, both by Robert Woods from the USC. Now remember Malik Willis, the kid out of Liberty, starting that game instead of Tannehill. They could use a playmaker like Brown. What team couldn't? But they decided that he wasn't worth the investment, and Philadelphia is quite happy that he is. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll check in with J.D. Sharp from AgainstTheNumber.com. I'm Rick Tittle.
4: Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more.
0: Before taking eyebrands, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite.
10: Listen up, guys. Are you experiencing any of the following? Fatigue, less drive, poor performance... If so, you may be one of the nearly 30 million men in the U.S. today dealing with ED. But did you know you don't have to pay hundreds for a prescription anymore? And you don't have to deal with the hassle of seeing the doctor or the embarrassment of going to the pharmacy for a certain pill. Now, with one free call, you can find out how Herbal Virility Max can help you feel like a man again. For over a decade, Herbal Virility Max has helped guys just like you put a smile back on their face with improved performance and drive. Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
1: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
11: beating the books at their own game visit against the number.com that's against the number.com
8: titillating sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a genius the best show ever he's so wonderful genius the best show ever He's so wonderful, titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle, isn't he so handsome? He's a genius.
13: Coming up next, Rick Tittle.
5: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle, with you coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is 11:12. That's time we check in with one of our friends from AgainstTheNumber.com. Which is a highly skilled, reasonably t- priced team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college to basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year special specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and their results are real. J.D. Sharp joins us uh, once again. J.D., first of all, let me do some bragging. I only missed two games this weekend. What do you think of that? Is J.D. with us? Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me, Rick? Yes. I said can I only me? missed two games this weekend. What do you think of that? Yeah. Did did you, did you take all the games? Like, did you bet every single game? I, well, I bet them like saying who you should bet for. I didn't put any money. Oh, in I them.
2: like it. That that's that's extremely impressive. Well done. What were the two that you missed?
5: Uh, I missed the. Uh, now you got to ask. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look, look it up. You go. Hello. Yeah. What's up? Oh, I was going to say I was going to look. Okay, let's see. I missed. Uh, uh, I missed. Uh, uh, this this has come to a screeching halt now.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, Rick. While you while you catch that, I went two and two. Oh, I missed Buffalo
5: uh, Jets. I missed Buffalo Jets. Obviously.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I missed. It. I think I actually declared that on this show. Then um, Matt Milano was out. Hoyer was out. Tredavious White didn't play, and uh, Sauce Gardner just he just he just looks like he's just that good. He picked off Allen. He gave Allen fits. That Jets defense is pretty legit. I'm not a big Zach Wilson fan, although he did play pretty well. I still think they have a lot to, to, you know, they have a lot to overcome offensively, but that defense might be good enough to, to get them into the playoffs, <laughs> Rick, which is kind of unbelievable. But that's that's very very impressive that you only missed
5: two. The other games. one, I picked Arizona to beat Seattle. That was the other one.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's. I was actually, I almost did take them plus two. I looked at that. Thankfully, I didn't take it. Uh, I ended up going. I ended up going two and two. I lost, I took the Jaguars Raiders over 48, and they scored 47. It's like Derek Carr just forgot how to play football in the second half. Not sure I've ever seen anything like that in my entire life. He was like 15 of 19 or 15 of 21 in the first half with two touchdowns to Devontae Adams. I think he had 50 yards passing in the second half or just something terrible. Uh, McDaniels has got to go. I realize Waller's still hurt, but maybe he just doesn't want to play. I'm not sure. Uh, either way, yeah, the the offense hasn't realized its potential, but they're completely out of the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win even six games this year. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a dumpster fire team, and it's pretty disappointing because Vegas has a, a beautiful stadium and they they've got the free agent advantage. But uh, yeah, when when you fire a co- or when you hire a coach who's never been good anywhere, uh, it, it's tough to it's tough when that coach doesn't follow through. The way that he's expected not to it makes it makes the it makes the ownership look bad especially with the situation with Gruden and, and h- kind of how that went down and uh the, the different behind the scenes things that are involved in that
5: well then throwing the fact that Mark doubled down and said he's going to be our coach for years to come <laughs> yeah yeah
2: exactly good I, I, I don't think that that needs to take place I mean Jacob's having a good year Adams is playing okay but uh, I, I guess I guess it's possible you keep McDaniel's, but if that's the case, then Carr's got to go, because Carr again, I I've really I'm not sure I've seen the quarterback just completely fall apart the way that Carr did in the second half of that game against a not very good Jaguars defense. I mean, how do you go from? I mean, there's no way that the second half adjustments were that good by the Jaguars to go from having 230 yards and passing to you know 45 or 50 yards on 40 percent compared to 80 percent completion rate.
5: So, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, look, Darren Waller's great. Even with Darren Waller, they're going to lose that game. But a guy with a better record was Frank Reich, and he's become the second coach fired after, of course, Matt Rule got fired. Yeah. Jeff Saturday's going to take over. I think this is residual to them blowing their playoff chance last year, losing at Jacksonville. I think there was kind of a bad taste in the mouth with uh, Ursa. And, of course, Ursay has had his own problems.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then you 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 invest in Matt Ryan when everybody knows that he's completely washed. The guy ha- it, he, he has almost as bad a footwork as Eli Manning, who was basically a statue back there his entire career. You know, probably second only to like Drew Bledsoe for all time as far as just not being mobile. Uh, and then he doesn't play well. He you fake. You, I don't know if he's actually got a separated shoulder or not, but what for whatever reason you sit him down. Ellinger comes in, plays well last week. Yeah, they lose, and then he just gets completely. Now he played a great defense in the Patriots, but. I mean, they, they they just don't have the weapons. Taylor didn't play, obviously. I took I took the Colts. I was thinking that Taylor would play. I like the idea of getting Zach Moss. I thought that Ellinger, who was thirteen of sixteen the, last week, would actually have a pretty good, pretty decent game, and that that just didn't take place. So yeah, uh, it, it makes sense to to let go of Reich under the circumstances. And when you know, it, it goes to show you when you put when when you when you go after the wrong quarterback especially a quarterback that everyone knows is really having a lot of problems uh it 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 just it drops you down a couple of pegs and that defense isn't that bad but they they that the patriots turned that bad of offense into uh, you know a bunch of pressure defensively for the colts yesterday
5: you look at tonight's game baltimore at new orleans and on paper this looks like a baltimore win but you got to keep in mind that new orleans last week shut out the raiders uh, and John Harbaugh has made some boneheaded decisions for a guy with his acumen. So, uh, I mean, I'm still leaning towards Lamar Jackson and company. But what do you think?
2: Yeah, it's minus, minus one and a half. What's the over-under? It's got to be, what, 42, 46
5: 43? and a half. 46 that seems and a half.
2: high. That seems really high. I, I, you know, Andrews is out. Um, the, Raven, the Ravens just picked up Roquan Smith, and he's, he's the type of linebacker that can actually hang with Alvin Kamara in space. You know they have they have Olave they've got Landry that uh, I I don't that that just seems really high you know when I, when I break this game down in my head uh, Dalton's been pretty accurate you know he's never won a primetime game before ever the Saints D is not injured Marshawn Lattimore I believe is playing tonight which is important you know, what what's Jackson got du- Duvernay James Brochet, Gus Edwards is out I mean he's going to have to produce a lot of offense himself I I, I don't know I. I'm guessing that the Saints probably win this game. I'm, it's not a game that, that I really want to take or that I'm going to take because I just don't feel good about it. Again, And that 46-and-a-half, that, that seems pretty high. I'm having, I'm having a hard time coming up with a couple of scenarios in my head where that game goes over unless there's a defensive touchdown or a couple of pick-sixes. It's going to have to be kind of a fluky scenario for that game to go over, especially with Andrews being out. Who is by far Jackson's top target offensively? And then what you got, Kenyon Drake out of the backfield? I don't know. I just the, the game. The game seems like it should go over, and if it, I'm sorry, it should go under. And if it goes over, it's going to be because of defensive touchdowns or special teams touchdowns, which you haven't seen a lot of this year in the NFL as is.
5: Last question: Geno Smith leads the NFL in completion percentage, seventy-one point three percent. He's thrown for. <laughs> 2,200 yards, 15 TDs, just four picks. His passer rating of 107.2 is fourth in the league. So the question is, do you sign him to a long-term deal, or do you think this is some bizarre smoke-and-mirrors thing, which I will not be fooled by?
2: No, you sign him. He's got the wide receivers around him. He doesn't even have a running back right now. He's got Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. I think he just turned 21 years old. Had a breakout year, was a transfer from Wake Forest. But, yeah, you signed Geno Smith. He's got a big personality, the media loves him. He makes sense. He's going to add a level of um he's going to add a level of superstar I think to to that team that they really haven't had in a while. He's different from 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 Russell Wilson in a lot of ways and that he's more blunt. He's not as media trained as Russell Wilson was, which I think can help. But yeah, I think you sign him, I think you, you pick up a big time tight end uh, in the offseason. They've already got Tariq Woolen. They had a great draft defensively. Their defense is actually playing pretty well so yeah i think that geno smith is a long-term play and and i know a couple of guys that bet like a hundred bucks i think he was 250 to one or he may even been like 750 to one to win the mvp um when they made those bets and he's actually number four or five right now in that conversation as well so you know hats off to geno smith for for playing for playing much better than anybody else thought he would
5: Yeah, no doubt about it. He's J.D. Sharp. He's at againstthenumber.com. Go there for all your sports prognostication, not just football, but all sports as well. J.D., as always, thanks for your time and your insights.
2: Hey, thanks a lot, Rick. Have a good
5: one. All right, good. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come back with an open segment. 1140 Dan uh, Goldenberg will join us once again from the Call of Duty uh, endowment, helping the troops. So if you want to get in, we'll talk a little bit more about what went down Sunday in the NFL.
0: You must be crazy. Use a DOG. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
5: Goodness gracious, that's a lot. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Dan Goldenberg from the Call of Duty Endowment will join us <clears throat> once again in the next segment. But we need to go run the rule over what we saw on Sunday. And I was talking about. Aaron Rodgers having maybe the worst game of his life. I did pick the Lions to win this game just because I know the lethargy in that team right now in Green Bay. And the Lions did not play well. They went forward on fourth down twice and didn't get it. Jared Goff threw two more picks. But they were able to walk away with a win because their defense, which has stunk, kept coming up with the big plays. And Kirby Joseph was the hero of the game game in a rookie safety with two picks, a, a batted ball down on what looked like it was going to be a touchdown. And then the Packers went for it on fourth down three times and stopped them all three times. So <clears throat> this is a, like any NFL team, if you give them a little window and give them some hope, they will get feisty. They will get frisky, but if the Packers can't score points on the worst defense in the NFL, Detroit, what are they going to do the rest of the year? That was 15 to 9. It's like a good mm-hmm. high-scoring baseball game. The Chargers over Atlanta, 20 to 17, last second field goal. Keenan Allen <clears throat> out, Mike Williams out, Justin Herbert found a new target, Joshua Palmer came up huge, eight catches, 106 yards. 22-yard catch with 30 seconds left. That sent up Cameron Dicker's game-winning field goal. And then, of course, Eckler came up big with two touchdowns as well, but then he gave the game away with a lost fumble, at least they thought, and a wild play in the final minute. If you didn't see it, Eckler fumbles, and it looks like Atlanta's going to go down the field and kick a field goal. But then their big fat guy, 95, whoever the hell that was, he picks it up. He's running down the field, and the ball just flies out of his hands. He has no idea. He's like looking to the side to see who's coming after him. Completely forgets, not even ball security. It's just, wait, was something in my hands once? And then the Chargers got the ball back. The Chargers are 5-3, and and I would blame two of those losses on Brandon Staley, their head coach. Just dumb calls, and I kind of think, what if they had a really good coach? How good would they be? But the Falcons four and five, they have a long history of finding new and weird ways to lose. I just mentioned one of them, you know, Taekwon Graham was his name, picked it up, starts running. Boop. <laughs> the Falcons rushing attack looked amazing over 200 yards on the ground, but uh, young Ho cool. He missed the kick. Falcons got off 10, nothing and then just let it slip away. <clears throat> I know what that is. Because my Raiders got up seventeen to nothing on the Chiefs and twenty to nothing on the Cardinals and seventeen to nothing on the Jags, loss, 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 two and six. If Josh McDaniels was in Indy, ironically the job he said yes to no, he'd be out because Frank Reich, Frank Reich is out, he gone. Cincinnati over Carolina, that was an easy one. Um, and as I mentioned, two more coaches fired at that spot but um you know Baker Mayfield uh came in relieving PJ Walker if you can believe that number 1 overall pick Heisman winner on the bench to somebody named PJ Walker but when he came in he threw two touchdown passes now the Bengals at that point had their foot off the gas and bend don't break prevent and all that but <clears throat> still I would rather start Mayfield but the Bengals, that was less than a week after getting humiliated on a Monday night, and they looked completely different. Even with Jamar Chase out, they started going to the ground. And I mentioned Mixon with five touchdowns and, of course, beating up girls in high school and college. Not good at all. The Jets over Buffalo, who saw that coming? The Bills have been able to overcome their turnovers, a penchant for it. But that wasn't the case. Josh Allen, two picks. The first one came on the first drive. The Bills got to the Jets' 13 yard line. It was an underthrow to Dawson Knox. Jordan Whitehead grabbed that ball. And then the second one came after his defense forced what appeared to be a momentum changing turnover. But playing without Jordan Poyer and Matt Milano, the Buffalo defense wasn't able to stop the Jets' running game. And conversely, the Bills' offense struggled to run the ball. If you take away Allen's 86 yards and two touchdowns himself on nine carries, the guy is a beast. There's not too many quarterbacks that can just pound yards like that. But Naheem Hines was used on special teams. And were, that was the running back that they got. <clears throat> Zero carries. Welcome to Buffalo. Right? Well, <laughs> the Jets now. At 6-3, and yeah, that's right, the Jets, gang green on defense, allowing just three points in Buffalo's final five possessions. And along with putting constant pressure on Allen, the defense shut out Stephon Diggs in the second half. And this is after a first half where he went for almost 100 yards, five catches. But what Zach Wilson did here, he started doing a little more alec. Smith managing, taking care of the ball, not turning it over. And that helped with James Robinson and Michael Carter, who got 71 yards on eight carries. Greg Zerline's game winning field goal. And uh, Wilson did do his part of the 12 uh, yard strike to Denzel Mims on a third and five that chewed off some more clock. But yeah, we're talking to JD Sauce Gardner, who I loved at a Cincinnati Bearcat program. This is why he was drafted so high a pick late in the third quarter. And that's setting up a touchdown pass to Robinson. Jermaine Johnson's sack, uh, July Jackson, Jermaine Johnson's sack of Allen Midwife through the fourth quarter helped Buffalo uh, into a punting situation. So now the, the Jets, <clears throat> they just might win that division. But I'll remind you, the Jets have never won the conference. When they went to the Super Bowl, it was the AFL. New England over Indy and starting a second-year quarterback up against a Bill Belichick defense is asking for a disaster, and that's exactly what the Colts got. Sam Ellinger didn't even have time to think. He got sacked, not once, LeBron, twice, three, four, nine times. He got sacked nine times. The Colts got 121 yards in total offense, which they have not done since the 90s. And so Bill Belichick would probably want to give a game ball to everyone on their defense. Twenty-six to three, the Patriots did not let the Colts convert a single third down. 0 for fourteen on third down. This is why Frank Reich is out of a job this morning. Washington uh, lost to Minnesota at home, twenty to seventeen. I had this one as well. It's closer than I thought. But that's the thing about Taylor Heineke. You know he is always a little bit impressive, did have a costly late interception, which set up Minnesota's game-tying score. But Kirk, said, uh, Kirk Cousins said the game uh, that, uh, that they need to win more convincingly. But like a win is a win. You know the Vikings are 7-1. and one. They scored on their opening drive and didn't score any more points until late in the fourth quarter. So Greg Johnson with a 28-yard field goal, 12 seconds left was the difference. Miami on the road over Chicago. This is another one I thought was pretty easy to pick. Uh, some people are really starting to believe in Justin Fields now, 35-32. But here's the thing. Justin Fields became the first play in NFL history with three passing touchdowns and over 150 rushing yards. He also broke the NFL's single-game rushing record for a QB in a regular season game, 178 yards. Think about that. That rushing touchdowns, 61 yards, is this what they wanted when they moved up in the draft to get him? I don't know, but maybe there's something to be said there. He's so small, though. I don't see that being sustainable to run that much with a guy, but Tua Tagovailoa became the first quarterback in Dolphins history with over 300 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and no interceptions in consecutive games. Not Bob Greasy, not Dan Marino, not even Don Strock. That's pretty impressive as well if you think about it. All right, we still do have the Monday night game tonight, as I was mentioning with uh, J.D. Sharp, and that's all part of uh, Rick's picks as well. Saints and uh, Ravens, <clears throat> and uh, I am going to pick the Ravens, even though the Saints blew out. I always want to say Oakland uh, shut out and blew out the Raiders 24 to nothing last week. Um I just think that uh, with Jackson and you think about the addition of Roquan Smith on the defense for Baltimore, I just think that they turn it around five and three. Now, here's the Saints at three and five are only a game out in a pathetic division that they're in in the NFC South. So they do have something to uh, play for uh, right there as well. But um, that's uh, looking at the uh, quilt that is shaken out over the bed on an NFL Sunday. When we come back, we'll have Dan Goldenberg on once again from the Call of Duty endowment. And we'll do that right after a quick break. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline.
1: that's 800-817-2968.
16: Do you have an invention idea but don't know what to do next? Call InventHelp now for free information on how to get started today. InventHelp provides invention services that help everyday inventors get started with their idea. We have representatives nationwide who will explain the InventHelp process step by step. Over 10,000 patents have been secured through InventHelp's patent referral services. Our services include professional materials needed to showcase your invention and 3D animation and prototype modeling that help you demonstrate your idea. Get down to the details of your idea with a technical drawing. The InventHelp data bank includes thousands of companies who have agreed to review new ideas. We've been helping inventors since 1984. Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call 1-800-356-7308. That's
3: 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308.
16: It doesn't really matter. I I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
0: Kittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
5: Welcome back to Sports Byline USA, coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's always great to welcome back to the show Dan Goldenberg. He's here with the Call of Duty Endowment. They have helped more than 100,000 veterans find meaningful careers after their military service and uh, that is a pretty cool milestone uh, To get to and not only that Dan, but uh, I know Activision Blizzard has made a new 30 million dollar commitment This is all good news, isn't it?
14: Yeah, I reckon. Thanks for having me on again. Great to talk with you uh, Yeah, the commitment is real and long term the, the company has been supporting putting vets and jobs um, for you know, really since 2009 in a big way. And it's a consistent, ongoing commitment. Uh, and we're just thrilled to have their partnership.
5: How does that work, too? Because, you know, obviously, we're in November now. It's a time that, you know, in the NFL, you will see the camo. And, you know, in the UK, everyone are wearing the pop, the World War One poppies. And that's because, of, of course, Veterans Day is coming up. Um, you know, on the 11th uh, as well. But uh, for you, wh- what does this all mean to you?
14: Yeah, well, you know, it's it's a very special time of year. You know, in the U.S., November's kind of become Veterans Month. We are in this for the long term. Uh, you know, it's been uh, 13 years now that we've been at it, and every year uh, doing a little better. Um, even since our announcement in May, we've since to the placement of another 10,000 veterans and jobs. Um, also, uh, this time of year, uh, the new Call of Duty comes out. And so uh, just one more way, Activision Blizzard supports veterans. Um, the only thing available in the Call of Duty store right now is a pack benefiting, directly benefiting the Call of Duty endowment. So every cent uh, Activision gets for that pack goes directly to putting vets in jobs through, through our efforts. Uh, so that, that's an exciting time of year as well for us. Um, a chance to not just say thank you for a service, but show it.
5: Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. I have the vault edition on the PS5. You know I do, Dan.
14: Awesome. Great to hear.
5: (laughs) Well, let's talk about some of the hard facts. I think to put it in perspective, the entire Marine Corps has less than 200,000 people. Sometimes I've heard there are more New York City police than there are U.S. Marines. So to put 100,000 uh, of our uh, military members into jobs is, is really quite a feat when you look at that perspective.
14: Hey, well, thank you. And, it's you know, we have incredible partners that, that we've screened and, and that we fund to make this happen, um, organizations from Hire Heroes USA to vet jobs to U.S. vets to uh, still-serving veterans. There's nine great organizations, excuse me, ten great organizations, eight in the U.S., two in the U.K., uh, that do this work every day, and we work with them closely to make sure they continue to drive results no matter what the economy is doing. Uh, it's a team effort, but you know I hope in a couple of years i'll be able to come back on your show and say that we've funded the placement of more veterans than there are in the entire Marine Corps.
5: Well, now that you know we think about how much money is uh, spent on our military, hundreds of billions of dollars, and um, but yet less than one tenth of one percent is to try to help them find employment when they get home. And that's what you're trying to avoid, the out of sight, out of mind. You're not helping us right now. Good luck being a citizen again. And that's where you guys step in, right?
14: Yeah, absolutely. So the veteran budget, all the total funds spent on helping veterans in this country, is very generous. It's $300 billion a year, $300 billion with a B. Uh, but as you, exactly as you said, Rick, less than one-tenth of 1% of that goes to employment efforts, which is kind of crazy, especially when you consider it's the number one thing, the number one service the veterans and transitioning service members ask for. Um, so, you know, we make up the gap. Um, to be quite honest, the government programs that do exist aren't very good. Um, they We place veterans in the jobs for one-tenth the cost per placement of those Department of Labor programs, and we do it to a high-quality standard. So, you know, average starting salaries, Um, are about $64,000. That's nationally. Um, You know, 80% of those vets are in those jobs six months later. Uh, And that number, we continue to see that number go up as well. Um, So, you know, it's not just – and 87% of those jobs are full-time roles. So it's not just about the number of jobs or the cost to place a vet in a job, but it's the quality. Um, And quality is so important because we know that more than 60% of veterans – are uh, underemployed. That means they're working beneath their experience and skill set. They're in jobs, you know, that don't really take advantage of everything they have to offer. So that's super important to us as well.
5: And that's the thing I find bizarre is that it's harder for a <clears throat> ex military member to get a job than the general population. And you would think about the discipline and the commitment that it takes to, uh, you know, just to get an honorable discharge. Why do you think that is?
14: Um. You know, I think there, there's a lot of reasons, but you know, and, and it's first thing, like the, the U.S. government, you and I have talked about this before, what they measure is uh, in the unemployment rate for veterans is whether you have a job. And the way to determine whether you have a job is literally to ask you this question. Last week, were you paid for work? Last week, were you paid for work? And if you answer yes, you're counted as fully employed. But we all know there are people working 10 hours a week at the barista, there are guardsmen and reservists who drilled last weekend but don't have a civilian job. The people who mowed their neighbor's lawn for 50 bucks. They're all counted as employed. And that's not right. What we're really focused on is the quality of employment. You know, that high starting salary, long-term retention rates, full-time work. Um, veterans are unequivocally qualified. And they can find jobs. But it's not just about any jobs. It's about high-quality jobs. I think, you know, as far as why why that, you know, that, that isn't happening all the time, it's about meeting supply and demand, a supply of job-ready vets and demand from companies that want them. So we work on both sides of this equation. On the supply side, it's really helping veterans understand, one, what they want to do, and then once they get there, if they don't have the skills they need, helping them get the skills, and if they do, it's about teaching them how to market themselves to these companies. Don't, no veteran should expect a company or an employer to understand their skills out, out the gates. It's on them. They have to be prepared to be able to market themselves. And so that's what our funding, a huge, you know, the huge swath of our funding is focused on is working one-on-one with these veterans, which is something the transition assistance program from DOD, the Department of Labor, uh, and and the VA doesn't do. It doesn't really work one-on-one with these veterans to help them understand what they want to do and help them fill those gaps and help them market themselves. We know that if veterans get professional help with their resume, and with interview practice, they are three times more likely to get a high-quality job. Um, so that's super important, and, and veterans should never pay for that service. It's always free through our grantees. And then the flip side is working with the employers, you know, helping them to understand the values of veterans. And there's plenty of data that shows veterans stay longer and they're more productive.
5: You know, I remember reading With the Old Breed uh, by Eugene Sledge and yep. Fon at uh, and after the war he came home and he was applying for a job and the young girl said, so what, what did you do the last few years? He goes, I was in the Marines. And she goes, well, what did you do there? And he said, uh, I killed the enemy. And she's like, yeah, you're not right for this job. So, I mean, just learning how to do a job interview is something you got to teach, right?
14: Yeah, because most people in their military careers, they never interview for a job. They're maybe given a couple of options, but usually they're told where to go based on Performance, previous work, exams, things like that, but not, you know, not interviewing, not talking about what I did. You know, in the military, it's all about we. It's always about the team. And you actually have to sort of put the I back in, team, when you're marketing yourself to an employer. Um, You know, I tell veterans all the time, look, there are plenty of companies out there that value veterans. uh, But even still, the onus is on you as a veteran to communicate what your unique skill set is that will be valuable to them. And nothing breaks my heart more than when I hear an infantryman, let's take the case of Fledge in in that example, uh, who says, I'm not you know, I'm a door kicker, right? That's what I do. And 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 it takes time and effort for our grantees to sit down with those veterans with that, you know, infantryman as an example and say, look, what did you do? Well, let's see, you're an E four, you led a fire team, you were responsible for their welfare, their training, their safety, you worked in other cultures. Uh, you had responsibility for equipment. These are now all of a sudden they've got a pretty marketable skill set, right? Um, but they need to be aware that that's valued and how to talk about it. Uh, and that's what our, our grantees are just so good at.
5: Yeah, very well said. And then if you look at some of the numbers as well about male veterans out of work, the number of female veterans out of work is higher. And then the highest of all, 22% women veterans of color. Are the are the highest? How do we get those numbers back down for these employers?
14: Yeah, it's it's a real problem, and you know, honestly, for for the veterans who are helped through our efforts through our grantees, you know, we're really proud of the fact that um, women and um, underrepresented uh, other you know veterans from other other underrepresented groups like uh, veterans who identify as black, as an example, they get placed. Double their rep, almost double their representation in the population. So women make up 10% of the veteran population and about 17% of the active forces, um, 19% of the vets placed by our grantees are women. And for, for black vets, um, they're about 12% of the veteran population and our grantees place them at 20%. So what that tells me is get help is, you know, the, those veterans in those categories, they need to go to our grantees. It's free. Um, and they will get the high-quality help um, that they need to make sure their value is communicated to uh, employers who will be eager to, to work with them. So um, that's, that's the big lesson for me. And, again, you know, if, if, you, if you boil it down to just two things, professional help with your resume, professional help with, with your interviewing. Uh, and when I say professional, I'm talking about one of our grantee organizations. And people can go to callofdutyendowment.org slash partners or just click on the Partners tab. And C, these are highly vetted organizations that will help you with both for free. Um, You do those two things, your odds of getting a great job are much or three times greater.
5: And we only have about a minute. But the other thing is, it's just getting people to reach out because these are proud people who say, I don't need the help. I'll do it on my own.
14: Yeah, big mistake, right? Um, And I I will tell you, Mm -hmm. I've had conversations like this with E4s and I've had conversations like this with admirals and generals who still struggle with that problem. You know, they think they can do it themselves, and what we don't want them to do is get in a position where, you know, they're they're, in, they're running into economic or family or mental health issues because they're struggling. Um, the fact is they have valuable skills, and if they get help early on, they're going to have good outcomes. But you need an objective person who can work with you, who understands the value of your background and understands how to effectively communicate it. Um, we, we can avoid those issues um, if veterans just – Swallow their pride and reach out. And and you know most of the people working at these organizations are veterans or military spouses themselves, so they get you.
5: They get you. Remember Call of Duty Endowment You can go there. Call of Duty Endowment slash help as well. We've been speaking with uh, Dan Goldenberg talking about. Of course, we are in November, and uh, it's Military Month and uh, the milestone of a hundred thousand veterans placed into meaningful employment and still going strong. Dan, great work as always, and thanks for coming on and talking about it.
14: Thanks so much for the opportunity,
5: Rick. All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We will take a quick break, and we will come on back right here on Sports Byline USA.
1: So if you've lost a loved one due to COVID-19, call the legal helpline right now to find out if you qualify for a cash award. Here's our number. 800-918-4086. 800-918-4086. 800-918-4086. That's 800-918-4086. Paid for by the IPG Law Group.
18: Uh, I joined the Army because my father and my brother were in the Army thought I'd better join before I got drafted.
11: Son, uh, there ain't no draft no more.
18: There was one? <laughs>
0: Tittle always goes commando.
5: Thank you for that. Uh, I did not watch on Saturday the MLS Cup final between Philadelphia Union and LAFC, but the highlights I highly recommend. (laughs) LAFC's playing at home for some reason. Kellen Acosta, the United States attacking player, scored in the 28th. And then Daniel Gazdag did for Philly in the 59th. And then LA thought they won it when Jesus Murillo scored in the 83rd. But two minutes later, six foot six fullback Jack Elliott heads in a ball. And now it's 2 2. So we go to extra time. And in extra time, there were some injuries and subs. So it was the fourth minute of injury time. Jack Elliott, the fullback, scores again in a scramble. And they put on Gareth Bale. And yes, Gareth Bale, all he does is lift cups if he's not with Tondam. In the ninth minute of extra time, of extra time, he scores. They go to penalties, and um, and that's where uh, the first – and this is after the uh, LAFC goalie got red-carded. They're playing with Tim, and they put in their backup goalie who blocked the first three kicks he saw, and that was enough for LAFC – And I had Steve Chirundala on the show, the head coach, for them to lift the cup. It's pretty amazing highlights if you want to check it out. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow on 9 a.m. Pacific time.